This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible x gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. All right. Two days in a row, and new content coming out from Film Study with Ken McCusick. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? You still enjoying this 47-3 victory? You know, life is good. It has been a whirlwind of analysis these last couple days, and with a short week, a whirlwind of podcasting as well, but I'm loving it. I know. We're going to tease it at the end, but we got another episode the, the next day. We're just filling with content because we've got this short window of a start on a Sunday uh, next second get week two on a Thursday. It's it's a tight schedule. Lots of fun though. Oh yeah. If, and, if they'd lost this game, it might not be as much fun. 
Right, if they lost, this, if there were major injuries coming out of this game, yeah. if the game went into overtime, I mean, have we ever been set up for a Thursday night as well as we are set up going into this week? With no, you? you're, you're hitting on it directly, is the, is the Ravens are tremendously well set up for this Thursday game in terms of uh, rest of defense for certainly, but really they got rest on the offensive line, they haven't overworked any particular receivers, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, the only thing that they're, they're a little bit short on right now is the injury to Ken Dixon and how they're going to deal with that, whether they bring in a, another back or just try and play with two and, and hope he's back fairly soon. Right, right. But remember, that's a, that's a minor injury compared to everything else that could have happened in a uh, week one monsoon. That's true. Um, we're going to get all – we're going to really dig into the offense today. And it's it's funny we're gonna go through player analysis and stuff just like we do with the defense. But when I looked when I was looking at this game, even when I was watching the game, I was just noticing that it was constantly someone else making the play. It was never just one guy. Yeah, extremely balanced attack. So even though Joe Flacco threw for 200 yards and change, there uh, really was no receiver I think who had more than 49 yards in the game, which is just uh, terrific to get a spread of. Uh, of production that good. Great that Flacco's including everybody. You know, you, if, you, if you played on a team that had Chad Johnson on it or, or some other receivers, Terrell Owens, they'd be already complaining about not getting the ball enough. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I think this this group kind of knows who they are, and, uh, you know, there's there's a, a definitely a good set of opportunities to go around, and when you score six touchdowns, that's not the week to be complaining. No, and now the next team has to prepare for six people that can score touchdowns. And for two quarterbacks that can play and take the field, it it definitely sets you up for this season with showing off a bunch of guys on week one. Yeah, really good point. And and Lamar Jackson obviously a big part of that. Uh, but yeah, the the Ravens are are have multiple weapons right now. They go into this, I think, as well considered an offense as they have been in many years. Maybe since about 2012 or 2014. Anyway. Uh, that, uh, you know, people have to fear the Ravens' offense a little bit. Yeah, and they, the Ravens did something that we discussed, and I was surprised to see it pulled out on week one, but they got Lamar Jackson on the field with Joe Flacco. Yeah, so that was, that was kind of cool. Uh, so uh, Flacco uh, was lined up as a receiver once when Jackson was in the shotgun, and uh, I believe that was a running play for short yardage. A number of other plays where they pitched the ball to Jackson or faked the ball to Jackson. Uh, very nice spread of activity for Lamar that will make it difficult for defensive coordinators to plan for him over the course of the next few weeks. And I, I think that was honestly part of the goal. Uh, tremendous scripted set of plays by Morningweg to take advantage of all that Lamar Jackson brings to the field. Now, they didn't find the play, the big play that he broke, but they certainly tried a bunch of different things to see if they could make a big play, and it didn't stall any drives. So that was that was good stuff, and uh, and they did a good job with uh, uh, with getting Jackson in the game, obviously. He got him in on first and second down only. He did not come in on third down that I noticed, so they didn't have any conversion plays or resting on him. It was all about making a big play on first or second down. Right, and and none of those plays really did anything when both guys were on the field. But it was it was all to kind of show off, hey, we can do this. And not only can we do this, we're committed to doing this this season. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right on the money. I think, you know, the guest you, you found for us, uh, uh, Dominic Foxworth, was, was really right on the money in terms of how this can impact opposing teams. 
Yeah, who would have guessed? You bring in a uh, formal former players uh, president, and he actually knows what's going on. <laughs> so um, let's get to let's get to Joe and this whole ample time and space. Your okay, a- so- ATS. If that, first. It's a new season. Why don't you explain ample time and space? Sure, let's do that again. So, ample time and space is a is a metric of my own uh, uh, design. It's a one or a zero on any pass play. Uh, you have ample time and space if you have at least three seconds to throw and a ability to step into your throw in a sixty degree sorry one hundred and twenty degree arc extending sixty degrees to either side of the intended receiver. So if the receiver's you know five degrees off to your left, you have to be free from 60, 60 degrees in either direction anyway. Uh, it's it's something that I would say ninety in the low ninety percent of the time you can determine it exactly just by watching it because it's obvious. Uh, other times you have to time it on your DVR to see if if he really had it for the full three seconds. And a few times because the ball is out quickly, I have to make a judgment on whether or not it would have held up by for three seconds. But I would say it's a fairly cut and dried decision on whether or not he had ample time and space or not. So that's the definition. And in this game, Joe had ample time and space on 16 of his 35 dropbacks. So that's not terrible, a little bit less than 50%. I think 50% is a good target for the for the Ravens and their offensive line. Um, field was a little messy, which probably slowed down the pass rush a little bit, if anything, but it also poses some challenges for the offensive line to do that. Um, now, there was a sharp difference, as there always is, when – uh, he had ample time and space, and we didn't. So when he had ample time and space, he was 13 of 16 for 130 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and averaged 8.1 yards per throw. Um, that's good, but it's just pretty good uh, when you are have ample time and space. There are uh, Flacco's career average is right around there. Uh, having two touchdowns, though, is nice in that, so you give him a little bit of bonus credit for that. On his 19 throws... Without ample time and space, he was sacked once and he completed still 12 of 18 for 99 yards with one touchdown, no interceptions, and 5.2 yards per pass. And of the two conditions, that is a much better result. The 5.2 yards per play, the one touchdown without ample time and space is truly very impressive. Uh, Normal would be around four yards per play. So uh, not an inverted game where he does better without ample time and space. But a very solid game without ample time and space for Flacco, and he had a reasonable amount of ample time and space during this game provided by his offensive line. So, all around, good performance certainly by Flacco, uh, helped by the offensive line, and even more improved by his own uh, performance without ample time and space. All right, and ample time and space has a lot to do with his line. So let's go through his line uh, from Sunday, and let's start with Stanley, who had injuries last season and we're really hoping he'll get back to that rookie year yeah boy that rookie year especially in the second half his he looked like he was headed for the ring of honor pretty clearly because you expect some growth from year one to year two uh you know maybe during the second year at some point he he would have shown growth but he actually kind of took a small step backward in his second year if anything particularly from the second half when he was just outstanding and we're still waiting for him to return to that form injuries played a role last year uh, but we really want to see him return to that uh, that second half 2016 form, and I still think there's a pretty good chance he'll he'll make the Ring of Honor someday. That'll be a long-term time Raven, and uh, and get there. But he's just a, a little bit of a step behind. This game, solid game. He had a B uh, in this one, four blocks in level two. He had a pancake, 
Uh, one nice highlight block. The nice thing about him playing left tackle is he allowed two and a half pressures in a full game, and that was 74 offensive snaps that are scored. Uh, so uh, very solid game you know, at, at left tackle. Not as great as he's ever been, but uh, can't argue if he got that every game, we'd be absolutely thrilled. Yeah, I think you're jumping a little early pronouncing him for the ring of honor in year three. But, uh, yeah, he had a great game. And I think, at least when I watch it, the guy who will always be tied with Stanley is is Lewis. So, yeah, Lewis you know, came in the league at the same time and in the same draft. And Lewis is back now after, any, after a season of injury, kind of similar to Stanley in that regard, and playing left guard again. He really won the job with the next-to-last preseason game when he was just outstanding. Um, this game, he had a little bit more difficulty. He had a, a, a holding penalty, which was a significant uh, blow, but he only allowed one pressure as I have it scored. So a uh, solid game in that respect. Uh, 0.80 of a raw score. It works out to a C-plus at guard. Uh, the nice thing about his game, 7 out of 10 pulls. So this is an unusual thing, but the Ravens did 100% of their pulling in this game from left to right. So all of their power running involved moving from left to right. They did not have Yonda, who certainly is very experienced as a puller, uh, do it even once. Uh, and a couple of good things I note about that. One, we'll go with our next guy, Skura, and say that he didn't really obstruct any pulls. All of the three misses that Lewis had were pull-no blocks, where he, he, he made it through the other side, but he couldn't find anyone to block uh, or didn't effectively line anyone up. And so uh, he, he didn't have any where he tripped over the center or he was obstructed and have to run wide because the, the center was getting penetrated upon or getting getting driven backwards. Uh, it was a good, uh, good solid game for Lewis, and obviously that fits in well with Skura. Uh, yeah, and why do you do you have any reason why they always went left to right? Well, I think they, they like what they have on the right side with Brown when they get him in there. And Stanley can do more for you on the backside because of his mobility. So there are reasons why it's better to go in that direction. If you if you want another reason, Yanda is a better point of attack blocker than Hurst. So if you give Hurst a running start from left guard, or give Lewis for that matter a running start from left guard, you probably have a better chance to to create movement that uh, that will clear a hole for the running back. So there's a lot of good reasons why you do it from left to right, and and your your best set piece lineman and your heavier guys, you want to run towards their side to take advantage of what they bring at the point of attack. Gotcha. Now, this game was a blowout. If it's a tighter game or a better team, don't you have to mix that up so they don't always know you're going left to right? Uh, probably. Yeah, you probably want to do some of both. Uh, you know, they, they did some wonderful things last year to mix up with Stanley, you know, even sending him out of the pattern on some plays to, to, uh, to see if they could uh, trick the opponent basically with that. But, uh, yeah, I think it makes sense to, to mix it up. Roman's system has a ton of one-gap pulls and short pulls, we call them. Uh, so it, there will be more pulls in general, I think, when weather conditions are better. And other than Lewis's 10 pulls, which is a lot for one game, by the way, uh, the only other pull on the entire line was won by Skura. Okay. All right. Um, I know it's, it's early. It's one week. But is, uh, is Yanda healthy now? Yeah, Yanda, Yanda, I think, looked good in this game. He he was not missing blocks. In fact, he went the entire game without a missed block. Uh, I scored him for .94, which is an unadjusted A, obviously. Um, uh, he had three blocks in level two, which you know gets to some of the mobility you want. Um, he had a pancake. Uh, there, there were positive things to see. I don't think we saw the full range of what, what Marshall Yanda can do in this game. And he did leave after only 49 plays, so... 
you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect that you'd see everything and you would in a full game from Yonda. I, I want to go back to Matt Skura for a second, if you don't mind. Here, yeah, sure. Josh. Yeah, we talked a lot about who would be center this season, and it's Skura. Yeah, I mean, there you go. And, and uh, you know, it is a, a, one of the real questions this year was, was Matt Skura going to be able to anchor and provide, uh, you know, the, the big body that what Jensen did last year um, as a as a run or pass blocker? But more importantly, I think, would he, would he just hold the point of attack well enough to allow the pulling game, the power run game to work? And I'd say from this game alone, and obviously conditionals conditions require caveats, uh, but he looked very good in this game. He uh, he had uh, a good job of making his uh, blocks and not missing them at the point of attack. So he had three misses. He did allow one pressure as a pass blocker. That wasn't good. He had a false start that obviously reduced his score. And he also had some a couple of bad snaps. So a B game in this case, but a solid uh, game. And in particular, the fact that he didn't obstruct any pulls is one of the biggest factors that I point to. And we're going to be looking closely in the coming weeks to see that that continues. Right, and that's that's the tough part is we are judging off of week one off a, a against wet a bad game. team and wet game. Uh, it's going to be hard, and we, we hope all these projections are correct, but we could also see that this be just a fluke because everything in that game went the Ravens' way. Uh, the one guy that struggled on that line was Hurst. Was he being picked on or having trouble in the rain? What do you think is going on there? I, I don't know that he was really being picked on. He had a little bit of difficulty um, – both in terms of uh, of penetrations, he allowed one of those, and pressures, three and a half of those I have him scored for. I did have him for a third of one of the sacks, but both of the sacks, by the way, there was one on Flacco and one on uh, Jackson, but, but neither of them was really completely attributable to the offensive line. Hurst allowed the initial flush, uh, Bozeman allowed the initial pressure on Jackson's sack, but in each case, it was really the quarterback not getting rid of the ball quickly enough in, in the case of Jackson, or in the case of Flacco, of a uh, of other tight ends not making their blocks properly, that really caused the other other part of that sack. So, uh, not a terrible game for Hurst, certainly, or not as bad as it could have been, I, I'll say, uh, but uh, not good either. He had a D as I scored it, um, three blocks in level two. Uh, I really don't have a lot other to say about Hurst other than I don't think that he'll stay at right tackle if he continues to. Uh, block the way he did in this game. All right. Um, well, the nice thing about this game is that we were able to rest starters, and guys are really able to just make sure you're healthy and give you rest for Thursday, as we've already mentioned, and I'm sure we're going to mention some more times during this podcast. And that allowed guys like Bozeman and Orlando Brown Jr. to come on in and play some. How do you think those guys did? Both of those guys, I have to I have to give a big caveat on their play, is that the Ravens were running the ball at the end of the game. And when you run the ball just consistently down after down, and the other team is almost playing brother-in-law football by that point. You know, we, the Ravens are up 40-3. to three. The uh, Frankly, the, the long drive in quarter four, I don't think the Bills were even trying. I think it was really that bad. I think they, they, they had about eight guys trying per play, and the Ravens are getting a first down every other play effectively. They're you know running for seven yards on first down, then running for four or five yards on second down. And it just they, they put up no resistance to the Ravens during that entire drive. And so a lot of the scores for Bozeman and Brown are based on high percentage of blocks on those that drive and the, the, the drive after it in particular. So I think they both scored pretty well, maybe better a little better than they actually played. 
Uh, Bozeman, a .84, gets a B. Uh, uh, Brown gets an A-, minus, uh, and, and I think that in either case, you could certainly make the point that they benefited a lot from that uh, that kind of brother-in-law play at the end. So I want to see Orlando Brown in a in a more competitive situation with more alternating pass blocking and run blocking, like, I don't know, say starting at right tackle in the next game. Um, or, or the same for Bozeman, whether that may come uh, in a relief job more than likely or, or at center at some future time this season. All right, you're already calling for Hurst to be replaced, I see. Yeah, I am. I'm calling for Hurst to be replaced. I think he... he would do better at left guard. The, the problem for Hurst is that they now have a left guard who seems like he knows what he's doing. So it's a it's a tough position for the Ravens to be in as a team. And and we've talked about you know the possibility that you know, certain representations or promises were made to Hurst about what his starting situation would be. And it's just an unfortunate situation that at all the positions where he might most easily fit in, there seems to be a better player. And the big opportunity for him to move would be for Lewis to move to center. But based on this opener, Skura had a decent game, and I think that that's not likely to happen right away. Certainly won't happen in week two, but even the, the, the long week possibility for the Ravens to reinstall a new center for week three, if Skura has another game like this, that ain't happening. Skura staying at center. Um, so I, I think that, that the, uh, you know, the likelihood of Lewis moving to center is, is maybe deferred till later in the year if, in fact, it happens at all. Well, that, that's good news if they can get that settled this early. Certainly is a good problem to have because you know there'll be an injury on that line and they will need Hurst at right, some point. Right. And when that happens, they'll be uh, they'll be happy to have him. Well, you know, I watch ESPN and they tell me all the time that if you run the ball, you're going to win the game. So that's what all that running at the end of the game was about. Yeah, you 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 run because you're going to win. You right. don't win. You don't win because you run. <laughs> that's not what ESPN says. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's get to let's get outside the line and let's start with Joe Flacco. Have we seen Joe play this way before? Where I feel like he hit every wide receiver with a pass, multiple tight ends, multiple running backs. He got everyone on that field involved. When for years we've been saying Joe checks down immediately. Yeah, it was, that's that's absolutely true. So he had in in this game he had nine different receivers catch a ball, and I think that might have been all nine guys they had active. I'm trying to think of who might not have caught a ball, but they had. Four wide receivers catch a ball. They had two tight ends catch a ball. All three running backs caught a ball, at least one. Um, so I'm trying to think of who didn't catch one. <laughs> Who's missing? Actually, Kenneth Dixon did not catch a pass. He did not catch a pass. He's the only one. And Dixon, of course, led the team with 13 carries and and looked pretty good there. So uh, you know, he's the only one. And uh, and very impressive day for the. Uh, I give you one more, Janarian Grant, who was primarily used as a returner, but he was right. in there in the second half for a fair number of snaps as a wide receiver. He didn't catch a ball either. Well, he wasn't. He probably wasn't out there when Flacco was out there. No, he was only out there with Jackson. So there was right. only one one time, one catch that whole time. And Janarian Grant actually had 20 snaps as a wide receiver in this game. Yeah, um, the kick return rules have changed again. Just a little side note while you're you're mentioning Grant. And I can't tell because when I watch the Ravens game, it looks like it hurts the return game. And then I watched when I was watching uh, Monday Night Football, it looks like oh, these new rules are helping the return game. How do you feel about these new adjustments? Oh, it's a, it's a presents a really interesting um, question because I think in general, you, it probably s- 
slightly mutes the yard line if you try that the, the offense starts at if you try and pooch kick and force them into a turn. You probably, on average, including the possibility of a holding penalty, which is pretty big, of course, on all special teams plays, right. you, you might, on average, get them at about the 21 yard line, if I had to guess. Uh, but if they if they fail to do that, it's probably significant. It's uh, sorry, if they kick it in the end zone and, and it doesn't come out, they get it at the 25 automatically, and. Where that becomes an interesting question is when you have the lead like the Ravens did, Tucker should have been blasting that ball through the end zone. There should be no instance where you want to take a chance on the a team like the the Bills, who has proven no ability to move the ball, being able to start at anything but the 25-yard line. If you right. add variation to that, and they might start at the 20, but they might start at midfield, you don't want that. I mean, you don't want that risk. Just kick it through the freaking end zone under those circumstances. So I, I kind of like the additional game theory element. It adds to, to the uh, the strategy. So uh, it's it's cool from that perspective. Right. And But you're right. You don't want anything, regardless on how far the return goes, you don't want anything that's going to wake up the crowd, wake up the team at that point. Yeah. Um, Michael Crabtree, he made one of my favorite, Favorite catches I think I've seen a Raven wide receiver catch. I don't think we had a guy on the team last year that could do that toe tap. I, I was I was just loving the fact that you would say that because you've stepped right into my trap. In the preseason, we actually had a receiver who made a very similar catch back in the end zone. Did not tell me. No way. No. There's there's no way the ball went in his hands. (laughs) And and there are a couple things about it that were very similar. First of all, he and Crabtree both used a kind of a bad technique body catch to catch the ball. But then they both got their feet down, which was the really good part of the play. So very similar. Both were contested by a cornerback with his back to the play and who didn't find the football, so they had that advantage. But actually, very similar plays. Crabtree showed a little bit more of Perriman early on by dropping a couple of balls in the water. I thought you were going to be pulling that he together as your, as your comparison. But, you know, honestly, we're obviously very happy Michael Crabtree is here. Uh, you know, I, I think he's certainly going to provide a lot of value with Joe. We're just It's a little frustrating to see some of those drops, but we have to give him credit. It's a wet, it's a, it's a very wet football, and I can't imagine it's a lot of fun as a receiver, to having Joe Flacco throw what must feel like a boulder at you with that wet football and having to try to catch that uh, in this weather. Yeah, but at the same time, he was getting the ball to the right spot, and that's got to feel way better than being a wide receiver where the quarterback's overthrowing you, underthrowing you every time. Yeah, with Lamar Jackson in, you're saying. Yeah. You said it. I'm not not going after – I think this was a fun week because – for one, you could compare the two quarterbacks, and I yeah. think that settles down the the Lamar Jackson should be starting fight. Right, right. Um, yeah. You're, you're, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just going to move on to John Brown, and again, this guy's fast. The field's wet, and he is flying down the the line. Yeah, it did did a lot of good things, and we didn't see John Brown go deep in this game, which which is like a little bit disappointing because often on the very first play of the season, Flacco likes to throw a deep ball, so I was kind of expecting that. But what I really liked about all the receivers, not just Brown, but maybe maybe Brown, I can give you the best example for, they finished their routes. So as Buffalo was giving some extended pocket time to Joe, so he had you know the Brown catch early on that that converted the second and twenty four. Uh, Flacco had time to meander out to the right. The, the line was able to reestablish a secondary pocket, so they kept blocking. And Brown continued to fight, which is got to be very difficult for any cornerback to stay with him. And, of course, he, he couldn't. Flacco found him all the way across the field for that very nice, easy pitch and catch. 
Uh, I'm sure it was a very hard throw, but 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 a uh, but a relatively easy pitch and crack catch to to Brown. And I really love the fact that ja- Brown is still fighting for open space at the end of that route. Yeah, that's something um, that we have not seen in a while for the Ravens. Yeah, we really complained about it last year with Jeremy Macklin yes. being on the team, but he wasn't the only problem. I mean, I think Wallace probably had a little bit of that in him as well. And and, uh, and don't forget Brashard. Yeah, we we won't. <laughs> I, I'm sure we won't be able to. Right, right. Um, who I don't think's been picked up yet, so he's still out there if someone needs a wide receiver. So uh, Willie Willie Sneed, I didn't know a whole lot about this guy before this season, and uh, he seemed to do a really good job pulling the ball in. Yeah, so a couple things that, that have been really apparent in camp. So Wilson's coming off an injury, and he, he hardly played last year, didn't have a good year. And uh, he, in camp, has been one of the targets that Flacco has really latched on to. So he's, he's been one of his favorites, uh, you know, slot receiver, coming over the middle. Uh, Flacco's really liked to throw to him there. Obviously, Flacco likes to throw the ball in general between the numbers a lot. He doesn't have to because he's got the big-time arm that he can get the ball to the outside easily. He did really live all that early in his career. But he really likes the middle of the field, you know, probably more than, than the outside at this point. And he had a couple of connections with Snead that were these slant or skinny post throws where the, where the window is fairly tight and the ball's just delivered right on time and Snead makes the catch right on the, on the spot. And in particular, the, the 13-yard touchdown catch falls into that category. But uh, very exciting to see Flacco making right on time throws like that to a slot receiver and also for, for Snead to have the hands to pick it up and take it in stride. So uh, I, I liked what I saw out of all three of these free agent receivers. They all had a score in this game and they all showed something that was really nice in terms of their ability to to do something special. Crabtree in terms of his red zone ability and the ability to get his feet down the end zone. Brown in terms of his speed and you know continuing the route. And then Snead, of course, in terms of the hands and, and being on time at the right spot with the connection to Flacco. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a couple running backs, a couple tight ends to talk about. Alex Collins, he struggled. Is that rain? I mean, if, if, if anyone had a bad game, I feel like I was going to blame it on the rain and the wet. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, particularly in the case of the fumble. Collins has a history of not holding the ball high and tight when he spins. And he's a spin and try for extra yardage back. You take a fumble risk when you do that. So if you do it, you better hold the ball high and tight. And they had the camera on him when he walked to the sidelines after his fumble. And Thomas Hammock was giving him, he's the running back coach, was giving him a handful. And you could tell just from the gestures, he was telling Collins exactly that. If you want to spin, you got to bring the ball high and tight. And he was actually demonstrating it to him. So it was, it was kind of funny to see because you definitely know what's going on with that uh, that conversation. But Collins took a series off at that point. Uh, I think he did get back in the game a little a little later. His highlight was that eight yard touchdown, and uh, it's it's not like he did nothing in this game, but but he needs to uh, definitely um, take advantage of more of the zone. Uh, sorry, of the power running opportunities the Ravens give him, and I think it will be more on on drier fields going forward, and and hold on to the football above all else. All right. Um... Now, Alex Collins, I always tell people you never take Alex Collins in fantasy football because he doesn't get the touchdowns. And we saw that on a drive where got a real close play, and then the Ravens swap out, and Buck Allen goes in for the rush. Yeah, so Buck Allen had a rush TD2. In fact, all three of the Ravens' running backs and all three of their free agent receivers each had a touchdown this game, six different guys with touchdowns. 
But Buck Allen, anyway, he did he did have a rushing TD. Uh, he made a few key plays in the passing game, but I'm seeing the same continuing troubling t- trend with Buck Allen. Four runs for 17, nothing wrong with that, 4.3 yards a touch. But then he also caught five balls for 15 with three yards a touch, with a long of 11, so he had you know four yards on his other five targets. Not exactly what the... Ravens want in a receiving running back. So I hope you know, it's one of the big things they did not get accomplished this offense this offseason was finding a running back who was really a combination of a good pass blocker and a good receiver. Uh, it, it, I would have listed it as one of the Ravens really big needs. I don't think they're, they're that hard to find. I think there are plenty of guys who can do it who aren't necessarily great runners who you'd be happy to have on third down on the field. Um, but uh, I'm not sure Allen is the guy and uh, uh, you know, this continued lo- low yards per touch is, is obviously a problem. Right. And uh, so with, with Dixon now down for at least this week, do you think they'll try to bring uh, uh, someone to fill his role or going to go with a two-man running back team? Well, it's a, it's a tough decision for the Ravens to make because if they decide they want to get a third running back on the roster, which seems kind of likely, that guy probably won't get all that money touches. So the most likely is probably either DeLance Turner or Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is be the more likely in my viewpoint based on the number of opportunities he had in the preseason. DeLance Turner had some very long runs. I think if they were just looking for a pure runner and maybe a change of pace back, they'd go with Turner. Um, I'm not sure who really gives you more as a receiver because I think neither of them gives you all that much. Certainly not what the Ravens are looking for and you know, looking to get from Buck Allen. Um, but you, you probably could bring either guy up. The problem is that you're, you're going you're to give them maybe two to four touches in this next game. And in order to get those two to four touches, you have to sit down someone for the whole season with the only possibility of reclamation being that you can get them back with an IR DTR designation. So designated to return um, designation. So to me, it's, it's a difficult decision to go with two or three running backs this week. I think they might just go with two running backs and give themselves an extra uh, player on defense and special teams would be a possibility or possibly get Jordan Lasley uh, into the game and get him to do some things. So it's not like they don't have anything else they could do. They could probably bring Lamar Jackson in for a few additional plays out of the backfield if that were part of the plan. They could you know, use more plays where they had a fullback. Uh, under those circumstances, probably take a little bit less chance of Jackson being hurt. So anyway, a few different options exist, but I think it's, it's a very costly two to four touches if they do decide to activate either Edwards or Turner. It'll also give us, thanks to this Thursday and then 10 days after, give us time to look at some other teams. And yeah, that's, that's a good point. So they, they have a chance to bring on a different player, and they also have a, have a chance to decide if Dixon could be healthy. And I have not heard exactly what the prognosis is for him, whether, whether it's you know a, a two-week injury or a six-week injury. But if it's a two-week injury, hey, maybe you can, you can work your way through it with two running backs. Right. Remember, Collins was a late addition. There you go. Uh, on the tight ends, Nick Boyle had a catch real early in the game where it looked like it looked like heap out there yeah so it, it very much so you know he, he, he definitely was Flacco was looking for him he, he threw for I think it was a 25 yard play on the very first play of the game then he got another first down for 11 yards on a, on a play that was extended I believe uh, and then he had one more catch on that drive uh, it wasn't the touchdown but uh, but yes it was uh, 
close to the line of scrimmage. It might have been on second and five late in the drive. He had, a, he had about a four-yard catch. He had three, three key catches on that drive, which helped him move down the field. Uh, he had two penalties in succession that killed a drive in the second quarter. So that was unfortunate. So mixed game for Nick. Uh, you know, certainly he's providing something as a blocker, although the running game never really got going in this one. But uh, uh, it looks like as Flacco's favorite tight end target of the ones he had available in this game, he certainly did his job. Right, right. The other tight end that made a little bit of an impact would be Mark Andrews. Yeah, so Andrews had, had three catches for 31 in the game, and they're all these mid-range catches. The long was 12 of that. So, uh, uh, you know, all nice middle-range, 8, 9, 10-yard grabs. And, uh, you know, that's that's what you want you know, in, in terms of a chain-moving tight end. He's more of a guy who can be split out and make a big play after the catch, as we saw in that last preseason game when he had a 45-yard play. Uh, he was... Uh, of aside from Boyle and perhaps including Boyle, he was the most effective tight end and uh, is certainly a guy who I would expect to get more touches against Cincinnati in week two. Cincinnati, definitely a team where you want to try and avoid the defensive backs if possible and take advantage of those linebackers with your tight end. So both Boyle and Andrews may have a bigger role this, uh, this Thursday. All right, let's get to the MVPs of the game for the offense. All right, so uh, I'll start with my number three guy, and I'm going to take a Josh Shroka special and, and give it to Marty Morningweg. I thought his set of outstanding scripted plays was really just what the doctor ordered. Uh, that first drive uh, went like butter down the field, and a lot of it was the fact that, that Flacco moving around doing some different things than, he, than he's done was just looked very comfortable in an unrushed kind of style, and, uh, and the Ravens moved the ball effectively. A lot of that I give to, to morning like scripted plays. I thought all the stuff they did with Jackson, while it didn't do a lot in terms of yardage, will be successful in terms of manipulating upcoming opponents. So that's another opportunity to, uh, to get some things done. And oh, by the way, I mean, the, the Bengals are the type of team that getting big plays out of Jackson could be very significant. They, they, you know, they, they have some uh, a lack of speed at linebacker. That I think will uh, you know create opportunities for Jackson that might lead to some big plays and and it's a it's a game where we might very well need some big plays from Jackson to uh, to make something happen and to to have the best chance to win the game. Right, right, right. Uh, my number three is very similar, but I went with John Harbaugh because I love the way he managed this game. For a guy we talk about being on the hot seat all the time, I love that he came in. I love how much time and rest he gave to his starters so that everyone's fresh for Thursday. Very good game management in that respect. I love that pick. Oh. Uh, I'll give my number two to the offensive line as a group. It was a, you know, a, a, just really a moderate performance, but there's no standout on offense that's above the others. So I, I like the fact that in under wet conditions, the offensive line was able to deliver a fairly good opportunity set for Flacco that he took advantage of. I also like the fact that the offensive line, as well as the receivers, continue to play as some of these pockets were breaking down. So uh, you know, James Hurst in particular is one guy I got on for about his overall score, but he was one guy I noted as making an additional block on a relocated pocket that occurred when Flacco made the 29-yard completion to Brown. So uh, you know, there was just a lot to like about the way the offensive line played, even though not everything worked exactly as you'd expect. 
And I am right there with you, except I am taking the wide receivers for similar things. If they were running routes, fighting balls, and they actually caught balls, most importantly. Yeah, I like that one, too. And that's a very valid pick. So you got you got three free agent wide receivers who much more lived up to their billing than in 2017. That's for sure. Yes, definitely. Okay, so my number one is Flacco. Do we need to talk? Well, you did make a note here that it's one of the best games you've seen him play. That's that's true. Obviously, uh, you know, one 121 rating, terrible conditions, uh, you know, for throwing the ball and certainly for catching the ball. Half a his, game. Yeah, his his rating was muted by the by all the drops that occurred uh, in this game, and there were several. Boyle, Crabtree, you know, they, they all had, uh, you know, contributed some drops in this game. So. Uh, could have been even better, and and certainly was terrific. Don't forget, also muted by the fact that he only played half a game. He could have he could have driven these stats up. Yeah, you're right. He could end up with four or five touchdown passes fairly easily. And uh, my number one is the Raven fans because if you went to the game on Sunday, you are better than me if you sat through that weather condition. Yes, I'm better than Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would I would not have enjoyed that being out in the rain. I enjoyed the warmth of my television glow. If you missed this game and you were sitting in the lower deck, you missed an opportunity to get a nice isolated shot of yourself on TV. And Marina and I can see ourselves in, in our in our clear ponchos <laughs> sitting right, right there. And there's no doubt about it. Hey, that's us. You know, we can see ourselves. So. And anyway. that's, see, if it weren't for the rain, we'd be complaining that no one goes to football games anymore. The Ravens have an attendance problem like the baseball world. But with that weather, I can't blame anyone for staying home. No, I, I really can't either, and, and obviously didn't have anything to do with kneeling or protests or blah, 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 so let's just drop that somewhere else. I, I do want to shout out to Maureen, because despite all that rain, Maureen was able to chart the secondary at the ball game underneath her poncho. She used a, a clever plastic bag situation and was able to get it done, and, and I can't even tell you what a big help that is in terms of scoring the defense when you get home when you don't have to try and figure out who's in the secondary from the broadcast video. And the, and the poncho didn't get in the way from you guys kneeling either. No, no, we were right. able to kneel <laughs> um, <laughs> on, our, on our nice wet row. Right, exactly. Uh, let's get to the film study mailbag. Get in your questions every day. Use the hashtag film study mailbag so that we can get to these. Uh, today we're pulling questions about the offense. So first one up is from Mark where he says, based on Flacco and Jackson both seeing playing time in this game will people finally stop saying that jackson is more ready than flacco i i think people have been ready to stop saying that for a while obviously you know the, the good game that lamar jackson had in what was it the second to last preseason game i think yep. uh turned a little bit of that around and you know he, he, we saw progression that's fantastic but i think flacco having a great game like this is going to shut off a lot of the discussion for 2018 when 2019 rolls around uh, we'll see where Flacco is. But right now he's a guy with 12, 12 touchdown passes and two interceptions in his last seven games, and it's hard to really uh, find fault with that. Yep, exactly. Or, or want to replace it. Right, right, right. Uh, Big Q asks the same question I asked myself on Sunday. Has Flacco ever thrown a touchdown pass to three different wide receivers in the same game? You know, that's a great question. I didn't have time to go back and, and research that, but I'm going to try and get you the answer before the next uh, the next show we do, before the pod we do tonight on the Bengals. And uh, I, I think if I had to bet, I'd probably say no, it's never happened. That he's had some three and four touchdown games, but my guess is he's used the tight end. And, you know, he may have had two to one wide receiver like Bolden or somebody like that. But I, my bet would be he's never done it before. Yeah, that would be my thought as well. Uh, Minion Hunter jumps in with, D 
Did you see more evidence of Flacco using the count as a weapon? Looked like he got him to jump at least once. Yeah, good point. And, and you know, the stadium is, is largely empty, and obviously the crowd knows what they're doing in terms of not cheering on offense. Even if they did, it had been muted by all their ponchos around the stadium, so it wouldn't have had a problem. But, the uh, uh, you know, Flacco did do a good job, I thought, of getting them not only to not jump, but getting them a little stuck in their stances uh, on some of the other times. So he, he probably deserves a little bit of the credit for slowing down the pass rush a little bit with his hard count. All right. Um, uh, Minion Hunter follows up with one. Did Gruden steal Harbaugh's different color hat thing for different position coaches? I didn't even realize Harbaugh did that. Does each coach wear a different color Ravens hat? No, I, I never heard that, but uh, but that's terrific. That's a smart idea. And and if uh, John wants to locate people on the sideline, I think that's a yeah, <laughs> that's really good. It's a, it's a great idea. I just I've never noticed that. I'm going to be just, paying attention now. <laughs> I reminded this manage, management training class we went to, and we each had to wear a hat for our exercises for the day. And you either had to wear a hat with a light bulb if you were the information officer, or you know these various things. And I'm just saying these things look so dorky. Couldn't we just remember who we are, kind of thing? But you know, you want to play along anyway. So anyway, the idea of having the individual hats is a, is a good one for a football sideline where actually you need to quickly identify right. people. Right. It reminds me of the guy last year who kept pushing us on the fact of something with direct TV and the timing of the ball and the frame rate. <laughs> I, I don't know what all that was about, but that same type of thing. Like these, I don't know, Minion Hunter, how you notice this stuff, but it's pretty smart if Harbaugh is doing that. Uh, Daniel, follow, Daniel gets in his question. How much, if at all, do you think the decision to feature Lamar rather heavily early in the game was motivated by the upcoming short week? Do you expect to see as much as uh to see as much of him going forward okay i'll say this i think against cincinnati we pretty much will see as much of lamar as a percentage of the flacco snaps remember lamar came in and he, and he played relief duty i'm not talking about that but we saw him what six or seven snaps before flacco came in and i could actually check that for a minute because we've got that let's just take a moment and go to the geico or whatever the heck this yeah. is well, we don't have a sponsor yet, but if you'd like to sponsor us, by the way, Josh can give you information on that right now. Yeah. While, um, while you look that up, I'll be searching for different <laughs> color hats for each member of my family so I can find them. There you go. So uh, Lamar Jackson had 31 snaps, and there were uh, 25 of those snaps were by offensive linemen after he came in the game. So it was six snaps he had playing with Flacco uh, earlier on in the game. So, yes, I would expect – we will probably see about six to nine snaps from Jackson uh, in this game against Cincinnati because I think he'll be a powerful weapon against them. Yeah, and I think the, the 10 in the first half, I think, was a sign of the game going really well for the Ravens. And also, it's, the first, it's week one. They've been playing with that stuff, and they want to throw them out on the field and get people preparing because now you do it in week one, and you've got weeks of teams thinking about that. There you go. So... All right, speaking of teams preparing to face the Ravens, on Thursday we face the Bengals. So uh, you mentioned a little bit about how that's going to affect where you think we'll see Lamar Jackson actually make some impact on Thursday night. Is there anything else you're looking for this game? I mean, obviously this game has enormous implications. In some ways it is the opener again because of just how um, – lousy the conditions were i mean if you look at the national media and and frankly anybody outside of baltimore they basically give 
no credit or no credence to what happened in this game in terms of its predictive implications right. for the rest of the season. So it, in, in some ways, it really is the opener. They're going to go and they're going to play a pretty damn good Cincinnati team. They're certainly at least middle of the pack. And they need to prove that they're better than this team, even on the road. I think they are a better team. And I think most people would agree they're a better team than Cincinnati. But they're not necessarily uh, agreeing to that on the road, where this is a, basically a pick em game. The, the Bengals have line has flipped a little bit now, but the Bengals now showing an implied probability of 50.6% to win this game. So uh, very closely contested. It's obviously a game if the Ravens want to be serious contenders, they need to win this one. Right, and we've had trouble with the Bengals in the past. As much as you want to talk about the Steelers being our rivals, we've had trouble with the Bengals. That's right. That's right. They've, they've had a lot of trouble blowing out the Bengals in recent years. Uh, when they do win, they win close. When they lose, they usually lose close. But, uh, but they've had, for whatever reason, Joe has just not played well in Cincinnati in particular. And even at home in, in Baltimore, he's had some, had some bad games against the Bengals. So they present a, a, a pretty significant set of challenges for him, not the least of which is having a four-man pass rush that has effectively put pressure on Flacco over the years, forced him to throw into seven-man coverages where that can lead to some significant interception risk for Flacco in particular. Right, but I can guarantee that this game will not end in a tie. You'll guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee that. All right. Um, and not I ended exactly up, Joe Namath with that, no, that prediction. No, no, not at all. But I can't wait to see at the end of the season how that tie affects the Steelers because they couldn't get past the Browns. Well, it, it will be fun unless that's the half game that beats the Ravens out. If, if, if then okay, we'll yes, say, yes, damn it, why the hell did the Browns miss that field goal? Right, right. Well, sure. All right. Um, hopefully you're listening to this podcast on either Tuesday night or on your Wednesday morning commute. Because on your Wednesday commute home, we're going to have another podcast for you that's coming out Wednesday afternoon, where we're going to look a lot deeper at the Bengals, and we're going to have Joe Goodberry on with us. Yeah, so uh, good guy. I, I know him a little bit from Twitter. Great follow there, uh, at Joe Goodberry, Goodberry, and uh, a guy who really knows the Bengals. And, and you know, I asked around to try and find an expert who could really represent what the Bengals do well. Everybody said the same thing. Everybody had the same name. So we'll be recording that episode tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. And sometimes these episodes can go very long, and that's the, in, the best indication that we have a really good guest. Uh, but it will be mostly about the Bengals and not about the Ravens' interaction with the Bengals. We're mostly looking to try and find out from Joe what have the Bengals been doing and, and, and what kind of schemes do they play and, and what uh, challenges they present for their opponents. Yeah, it's a, it's a look to the other sideline. There you go. So, I can um, all this is written up in Russell Street Report where people can go and get the uh, timestamps and everything and much deeper look at this offense. That's right. So, you know, this, my articles are written to, to, to look at the game pass footage and for the transparency that you can go look and, and corroborate what I'm, what I'm saying. So I, can't, I, I don't have GIFs all over my work. Uh, I do have an occasional still photo, but the main, the main tool is for you to use your game pass subscription and go out there and read it along with my article. Um, you don't have to, but you, but you can. A lot more detail, a lot more tabular data in the articles. Uh, and that's uh, you look for film study Ravens can you'll find it on on Russell Street Report. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Film Study Ravens. Uh, but let's talk about also where some of the podcasts can reside. They do reside on Russell Street Report. They're also out there on Birdland Radio, Birdland Sports, 
I'm sorry, Birdland Sports. Sorry, I I purchased Birdland Radio, so it'll also if you type that in, you it'll redirect you to Birdland Sports. All so right. we're all covered. Uh, yeah, brand new section 336 up on Birdland Sports. Brand new Dage View up on uh, Birdland Sports. Uh, all of these episodes of Film Study up there, and a new uh, Neutral Zone Infraction, I think, tonight or tomorrow morning up on Birdland Sports. Lots of content up there, constantly posting. Every day there's a new episode up there. Yeah, you, you probably do yourself a favor to just look at the podcasts out there and subscribe to all of them. Yes. Uh, it never hurts to have an extra podcast or two, and, and the Ravens content is, generally speaking, commercial-free that you guys have a few, maybe a couple reader commercials in, in the entire stuff you've got. No, it's all commercial-free. It's, it's, it's way better than 105.7 The Fan. <laughs> you just want to make that specific. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you get a denser set of content. And I really enjoy podcasts for that reason. It's just you know the commercial-free podcasts give you a, a much uh, you know, longer, denser look at the, uh, at the game. Definitely, yep. So, all right, Ken. Well, we will talk uh, tomorrow. Okay, looking forward to it. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.